Welcome back to the Nutrition Unmeasured podcast. I'm your host, Gina Forster, a dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor from Columbus, Ohio. Go Bucks! Uh, the sponsor for this episode is my nourishment guide. For only $5, you'll receive some of the most simple, balanced recipe ideas for you and your family. All meals and snacks can be prepared in 10 minutes or less. I put this together. I'm very proud of it. Uh, You can find the link in the show notes. I put that there for you. Uh, You can also find it on my website, nutritionunmeasured.com, but I really think that you'll enjoy it. I also have a list of pantry and freezer staples. Uh, So not just recipes, but uh, staples to have in your house, snack ideas, breakfast, lunch, dinner, etc. So hopefully you enjoy that. Before getting started today, I'd love to ask you for a review if you are really enjoying this podcast. Reviews only take a few seconds and they really help me grow the listenership. And of course, I'd appreciate it. And you know what? Here's the thing. This is a pretty small podcast. You know, I'm not going to share with you how many people download uh, episodes each day or week, but you know, on the grand scheme of things, it's pretty small and I am totally okay with that. Uh, I don't have a goal necessarily for how many people are going to listen to this podcast. I'm doing this because I enjoy it, and I hope that I'm bringing some really good content to you uh, listeners. Uh, But that being said, I have not been great at going back and looking at my reviews. And I I decided before recording today that I would do that. I went and I checked out uh, if I've had any good reviews lately. And a lot of times people will just tap the stars um, and not write anything. But geez, back in September of uh, of last year, I guess now, I got a really great review. And this is from Washington, I'm assuming, Mama. And I appreciate this so much. It says, this is a great podcast by a dietitian who discusses the influences on our relationships with food and bodies and how we can partner with ourselves to counter these influences. I appreciate how real she is in sharing her story and lessons learned. Uh, Wow, I can't believe I've missed this uh, for several months now. Thank you so much for that review. And like I said, if you have anything you'd like to say to me, uh, you know, okay, if it's good or bad, I'd still like to hear it. Of course, I'd prefer good. Um, But you don't even have to write anything. But of course, if you do, I appreciate it. But go ahead and fill out the stars on there, however you would like. Uh, Again, I appreciate that so, so very much. All right. So I always do a little bit of um, updates since the last episode. I know our last episode was, I think, one of my favorites with Sumner Brooks talking about alcohol and how it might be different than, uh, you know, you can't necessarily be an intuitive drinker. Uh, It doesn't really work that way. Uh, So if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen. I encourage you to do that. It was a really popular episode. Uh, But what has happened between then and now? Well, uh, we took a trip to North Carolina. My sister-in-law lives there with her son and partner. They live in Charlotte. And that was a really, really fun trip. You know, from Columbus, Ohio, where I live, to get to Charlotte, it, it is roughly seven hours, which sounds like a long time. But I'll tell you, every time we do that trip, it gets easier and easier. It's really not that bad, especially when the weather is good, I have to say. And very minimal traffic. It was actually kind of perfect. Uh, so really nice trip. We had a really good time, did a lot of fun things. We saw the movie Migration. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It was short, which was nice, but it was just really, really good and entertaining. Kept the kids entertained as well as me entertained for the whole time. Really liked that movie. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, you know, we're preparing for birthday mania around here. I have a birthday coming up on January 30th. My husband's is January 12th. My, my son's is three weeks after mine. So birthday, birthday, birthday. Meanwhile, Paige, my daughter, isn't till August. So of course, of course, she loves celebrating birthdays. But I think a little bit of her is a little bit jealous that we're all celebrating birthdays and she has to wait till August. But, you know, she gets to be part of the fun, too. Cake, um, good dinners, you know, people coming over all the time to celebrate. So she loves that kind of stuff. So anyway, it gets a little hectic around here around this time, but it's also a lot of fun. All right, let's dive into today's topic. You know, when I was a supermarket dietitian back in the day, we every January, this was also back when I was a a dietitian who was very much embedded in diet culture and like to help people lose weight, yada, yada, yada. And working for a, a supermarket, our big thing was new year, new you. And I did a 10 week weight loss class. And I'm not gonna lie, I actually really enjoyed that class because I just, I like doing classes. I like teaching in big groups and I like people. So I actually had a lot of fun. Now, these days, the content would be much different. I would much rather do a 10-week intuitive eating class, uh, of course. And looking back, I know that a lot of the things that I did in that course uh, were probably um, things that stuck to people for a lifetime um, mentally. And I, I kind of regret a lot that I probably said But you know what? I can't fix the past. I can only look ahead and that's okay. But what I'm getting at is I I used to teach this class that was called New Year, New You. And it was sponsored by the the grocery store where I worked. So the title of today's podcast is New Year, New You, Diet Free. So we're talking about New Year's resolutions. I'm going to do a little bit of the history real quick of New Year's resolutions. And this is from almanac.com. It says, from the Babylonians who resolved to return borrowed farm equipment to medieval knights who would renew their vow to chivalry, New Year's resolutions are nothing new. The Babylonian New Year was adopted by the ancient Romans, as was the tradition of resolutions. The timing, however, started out as being the spring equinox, but eventually it shifted to what we know now uh, with the Julian calendar in 46 BC, uh, which declared January 1st as the start of the new year. So resolutions have been around for decades, years, millennium, and they've just changed a bit as far as what they typically look like. So a Gallup poll showed that New Year's resolutions back in 1947, these were the top 10. I don't believe they're in any specific order. Number one, improve my disposition, be more understanding and control my temper. Number two, improve my character, live a better life. That's not a very smart goal. I feel like it's not very specific, but hey. Uh, Number three, stop smoking or smoke less. Number four, save more money. Number five, stop drinking or drink less. Six, be more religious, go to church more often. Seven, be more efficient and do a better job. Again, not very specific there. Uh, Number eight, take better care of my health. Number nine, take a greater part in home life. And then last but not least was lose, actually it had in parentheses, or gain weight. Um, my guess is that the majority of people um, were, were trying to lose weight, but I, I don't know, uh, does have or gain in parentheses. I, I'm sure that is some people's goal. But regardless, uh, looking at that list, you know, it, 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 I think it's a lot of common themes to what we see now, a lot of it having to do with mental health and physical health. 
Uh, so looking to, you know, looking ahead to 2024, um, I looked at Forbes Health. They did a, a one poll survey and it found some resolutions to be more common than others. And they were very, I, see, I think, similar in a lot of ways to what I just read from 1947. So having to do with money, mental health, physical health. So here we go. So 48% of people said they wanted to improve their fitness. 38% of people said they wanted to improve finances. 36% said they wanted to improve mental health. 34% said they wanted to lose weight. And then 32% said it said that they wanted to improve diet. So again, very heavily focused on physical and mental health. Um, you know, here's the thing. I am all about coming up with some good goals, or if you want to call them resolutions for the new year, especially ones that involve health. But as you may have guessed, I am not a fan of a goal that involves restriction or attempting to control or change our body, trying to engage willpower through guilt or exercising in order to change the shape and size of our body. You know, I think it's great if we have a goal to, you know, eat more fruits and vegetables or, you know, engage in more mindful, enjoyable movement, get our body moving more. Um, but when we have to tag on that weight loss, it just kind of, in my opinion, defeats the purpose. You know, it that's a, that's a number. That's a metric. Uh, it's it's not a very smart goal. And as I've as I've learned through a lot of reading and research and talking with people, it's also often not a very sustainable, which means smart. So sustainable, measurable, attainable, all that. It's not a very sustainable goal. So if we can first focus on changing our health behaviors, you know, our, our weight may or may not change, but why does it matter? Because our health behaviors have improved, right? If we've changed certain behaviors that we have, whether it's getting better sleep or drinking less or being more fit, that's really the ultimate goal, right? Like we want to be healthier, but there is no good research to support that changing our body or controlling our food intake to change our body has a positive benefit on our actual physical health. So what if dieting, restricting, controlling was a thing of the past? What if acceptance was your New Year's goal or resolution? I'm going to take the next several minutes to discuss ways to engage in more self-compassion, self-acceptance, self-care, and intuitive eating this winter and this year without a focus on changing the way our bodies look. And I've got 10, 10 ideas for you here. Take them or leave them, right? So number one is purchase some new books and invest in some time in, in new podcasts. So new books and new podcasts. Here are some of my favorites. Reclaiming Body Trust, You Just Need to Lose Weight, and 19 Other Myths About Fat People, This Naked Mind, All About Alcohol. And some podcasts I'm loving these days include Eat the Rules with Summer Inanen, a favorite of mine, Find Your Food Voice with Julie Duffy Dillon, also a favorite of mine. And by the way, she'll be on my podcast soon, and I cannot wait. In fact, she's our, our next guest. And maintenance phase, which I will uh, just warn you now can be pretty crass, but has some really good content. Another idea might be to start your intuitive eating journey on your own with my 10 module self-paced intuitive eating course. Feel free to reach out to me or look at my website to get more information on that. I will put a link to all these books and podcasts in my show notes. Number two, 
prioritize positive self-talk and catch negative self-talk. So what if this year, instead of trying to please others and make friends with others or always trying to do better in that area, what if instead, or maybe in addition to making other friends, you focus on being your own best friend and your own supporter and loving yourself? You know, it's really hard to... Um, accept love and um, kindness from others when we aren't first loving and kind to ourselves. So that's something to think about, you know, prioritizing positive self-talk, being kind to ourselves, catching the negative self-talk, making it more neutral, if you can, making it more positive, you know, instead of why in the world did I do that? I'm such an idiot. Okay, that's just an example, you know, catching that, you know, calling it out as not being kind, something that you would never say to a friend and saying, you know, you know what, let's back that up. What should I say to myself instead? If I'm not going to be a friend to myself, how is anyone going to want to be friends with me? Like, how am I going to accept love and kindness from anyone else if I can't give it to my own self? So what could I say instead? You know, being curious. I've talked about this in previous podcasts. Instead of being judgmental, being curious. Why did I do that? Not you know, why did I do that? But just why? I wonder what happened there. I'm going to be curious about it. So again, just being kind to yourself. Number three, this is an easy one, but maybe not so easy when it's chilly outside is getting fresh air daily. I hear a lot when I talk with clients, you know, it's getting cold outside. So I'm not getting outside, you know, at all during the day. I just really encourage you to try to get fresh air every day. I don't care what the temperature is. And I'm not talking, you don't have to be out there for long. But, you know, putting your feet with shoes on the ground, looking up, getting some sun, even if there's no sun that you can necessarily see, looking to the clouds, feeling fresh air on your skin, I will tell you it makes a world of difference. It does also help in production of melatonin, so it might also help with your sleep. So aiming for at least five to 10 minutes of outside time, even when it's cold outside. So bundle up, of course. Number four. Nourish your body at least every four to five hours. And I'm saying at least because I don't want to say you need to eat every four to five hours as a rule. Um, If you get hungry two hours after eating, by all means, eat. If you get hungry three hours after eating, by all means, eat. But, you know, not going longer than roughly four to five hours, even if you're not hungry, your body still needs nourished, generally speaking, at those, you know, those increments of time. You need to continuously Feed your body so you feel energized and your body has all of the the nutrients that it needs to support all the things that are constantly going on in your body that you don't even recognize or appreciate because we're not seeing them. They're at a microscopic level, right? Uh, So food is so, so important. So just a reminder to feed your body every four to five hours at least. Number five, find a new hobby this year. What brings you joy? What do you miss doing that you used to do? What needs to happen in order to do this? So here are some ideas that I've heard lately. Okay, for me, it's pickleball. I, I'm not gonna lie, I'm not really a pickleball player, but when I play, I have so much fun. So I've actually gone to the indoor pickleball place a couple times this year, which I never did last year. So I'm starting to kind of make that a, a new hobby of mine. Someone I recently talked to said they wanted to start curling, which there is actually a curling club here, which is pretty remarkable. 
Quilting and knitting is one I hear a lot. Joining book clubs, taking a course such as public speaking or how to build a website or other IT courses, starting an Etsy shop or learning how to take amazing photos with your phone or camera. Or what about an art class, a pottery class, or exploring the metro parks in your area each week or each month? Write some ideas down that you have. Uh, put it up on, I don't know, wherever you look the most as a reminder that this is what you want to accomplish. Number six, how about resolving to change the topic when diet talk comes up at work or with your friends? When people start talking about their latest diet, which I'm sure happens a lot now that we're in January, reply either with, that's just not that interesting. Can we talk about something else instead? Okay, I'll admit that's something that you'd probably only want to say to someone that you're really comfortable with. (laughs) Or maybe a little bit easier, just completely change the topic without engaging. I know that's one that I find a little bit easier to do than to even bring it up as not interesting. I just almost pretend like I don't hear them and completely change the topic without engaging at all. (laughs) Um, You know, this is another maybe a little bit sassy and um, I don't know, maybe only as an intuitive eating coach, am I able to get away with this as not sounding like a smart aleck? But another way I like to derail diet talk is to talk about my favorite thing I ate in the last 24 hours. <laughs> Here's an example. Uh, well, let's just say someone made a, a comment uh, while we were on our little trip about how um, well, let's just say they made a comment, a, a, a negative uh, comment, and it had to do with dieting. And I and I didn't like it, especially um, because it was in front of my children. That was especially a little triggering for me. And instead of engaging in it or even remarking on it at all, I simply said, hmm, well, you know what? In the last 24 hours, the best thing I've eaten was blank. And then I kind of just made it into like a little game because our our family does that a lot. Like, what's been the best part about our day or what's the best thing we've eaten or yada, yada. So I sort of just changed the topic without, it was almost stealthfully, (laughs) Um, but that tends to work for me. I'll just bring up food in a positive way when someone says something negative. Uh, So yeah, play around with one of those and see what feels most comfortable for you. If you're not there yet, that's okay. All right, number seven. Consider your relationship with alcohol or other drugs. Is it one that aligns with your personal values? Is it supporting you or is it bringing you down? I want to reiterate the book that I mentioned at the beginning by Annie Grace uh, called This Naked Mind. Some common things I see in my practice is that people don't recognize how alcohol in particular is hurting their mental health. They feel great while drinking, but don't recognize the mental health crash that happens afterwards. Another thing I've noticed is that many people believe that alcohol helps them sleep, when in reality, while it might help you fall asleep, it really prevents anyone from getting that good, deep REM sleep. So um, the grand scheme of things, alcohol uh, actually is a... um, is something that actually prevents us from getting good quality sleep. And that brings me to number eight, prioritize your sleep. Um, I would say if you were thinking about just choosing one thing from my list of 10 things, 
this would be the one to truly focus on if you find that you're not getting a solid seven to eight hours of sleep most nights and or if your sleep just isn't high quality. Say you get eight hours a night, but you wake up and you're still tired and you're still groggy and you have no energy. I will say I have noticed that when I do one-on-one sessions with people, even though I'm a dietitian and I know my big thing is helping people build a healthier relationship with food and their body and eat, you know, nourishing foods, so many times I want to derail the conversation and talk more about sleep (laughs) because I always ask about sleep and so many times the people that I'm working with say, my sleep is horrible or yeah, this is an area I need to work on or yeah, don't even ask because it's bad. Uh, I hear it so, so much. You know, when we don't get our when we don't get good sleep or we're sleep deprived, our work suffers, our mental health suffers, and often our nutrition and ability to listen to and honor our hunger suffers. So let me just ask, what's getting in the way of good sleep and enough sleep for you right now? Maybe you can start thinking about that. Number nine, consider your stress. What's causing you the most stress day to day? What do you need to prioritize in order to reduce that stress? Maybe finding a therapist would be a good place to start. (laughs) Maybe prioritizing sleep. Maybe practicing saying no to extra responsibilities. What's your number one stressor and what needs to change in order to reduce that stress? Is it even possible? You know, maybe if it's work, maybe you can't change your job, but what can you change in your job? What can you do to reduce the stress. Number 10, give yourself a break, literally. Take breaks without regard for what your coworker is doing. Our bodies need breaks throughout the day, but also throughout the week, the month, the year. I'm talking physical and mental breaks. Be okay with just sitting and doing nothing. Notice if it feels uncomfortable and ask why. Maybe your 2024 resolution could be as simple as giving yourself a break every single day. If that sounds like too much, start with every week, carving out a mental and physical break of some sort. It can be a break to sit and read, a break to sit and watch your favorite TV show, a break to go out into nature, or just a break to sit and do absolutely nothing. Get comfortable with this and know it doesn't mean you're lazy or that you've given up, but the opposite. You're giving your body the break it needs. We're not machines. We're humans. We need breaks. Um, I had the perfect uh, the break idea for you. Uh, if you're, it's, it's a midweek break idea. It's on Wednesdays. If you're looking for a break, Christina Bruce, she was on my podcast at one point. I can put that that uh, link in my show notes. Uh, her website has a sign up for a free 10-minute weekly body acceptance meditation. What a great option for a break midweek on Wednesdays. I promise you will not be disappointed. It is a great meditation um, that I try to do at least once a month if I'm being honest, but she does she does send it out if you miss the live version. For me, my daily break looks like Seinfeld. When I'm done with my sessions, I will go downstairs and give me myself 20 minutes of 
break time in front of the TV, laying on the couch and watching Seinfeld. <laughs> All right. So what about what my listener or some listeners said? I, I reached out on Instagram and, and asked, you know, other, you know, if you're coming up with a New Year's resolution that has nothing to do with changing your body, what would it be? And what is your resolution this year? And here's what some people said. Enjoy my food more slowly and intentionally without denying hunger. Practice mindfulness when eating so I don't find myself eating past comfort as often. I'm going to start a serious sleep hygiene routine. <laughs> I think I'm done with alcohol, someone said. I want to take cooking classes this year. And then my the last one was, my husband and I have resolved to go on one date each month and to get a sitter. Uh, those are all fantastic goals slash resolutions. Uh, very, very good. Thanks so much for all who chimed in on that one. All right. That's all I've got for you today. I want to end with a favorite new recipe. This is from Southern Living. I've got their slow cooker cookbook by Southern Living. And there's this chicken noodle soup that I am actually making again tomorrow. And I wrote on it, Paige loved this. We'll see if she loves it when I make it the second time. But all the things you would imagine that's in chicken noodle soup, leeks, um, you know, the egg noodles, the carrots, the celery, the broth, and uh, chicken thighs, of course. And I'm excited about making that. We'll serve it with some type of a roll of some sort, uh, but a very easy recipe, which is another reason why I love it and a favorite of ours. At least it was the one time I made it. But if you have kids, you know how it usually goes the second time. <laughs> we'll see. Fingers crossed. So if you're looking for a good chicken noodle soup recipe that is easy, uh, head on over to that link that I'll put in my show notes. All right, coming up on January 29th, I will be talking about intermittent fasting and PCOS. Do they align? Until then, treat yourself with the respect you deserve. Be the best friend you've always wanted. And reach out to me anytime on Instagram at Nutrition Unmeasured or via email at trustyourbodyrd at gmail.com.